Have you made an honest review? Jump onto fifthwrist.com and read real takes by real owners about their watches. And of course, get involved and write about what's on your wrist. Fifthwrist.com is your independent space to talk watches. Welcome to the Defining Time Show. It's episode number 30 on Fifth Wrist Radio. Can't believe we're at 30 already, but it's very exciting. Uh, I'm joined by a couple of gentlemen today. First one is uh, Vinny from Tell Your Time. He's one of our uh, newest co-hosts. So welcome, Vinny. How are you? Very well, thank you. I've just been promoted. Feels great. So yeah, yeah. happy to be part of the project. Promotion. Ah, that's very good. How much are you getting paid? Uh, not enough, it, it would seem. <laughs> I can get paid... I can get paid in watches if that's okay. Um, we'll, uh, we'll work out the details later. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Uh, and joining our, our third guest today is um, JP. How are you, mate? Very good. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. And I've ever since starting this, and honestly, I've, I've wanted to get you on to talk to you um, since I started the, the, the podcast. So very excited to have you here today. And we've got some action-packed stuff uh, to talk about. So, so before we do that, let's uh, do some wrist checks and some drink checks. So we'll start with our extra special guest. Sorry, Vinny, uh, but we'll start with JP. So JP, what's on your wrist and what are you drinking? Yes. Um, so today I'm wearing uh, my Vacheron Constantin uh, Overseas. That's the 4500V. Uh, people who know me know that I've been uh, wearing this um for ever since I got it really a couple of months ago. It's been uh, possibly the watch I, I've worn the most ever since then, just because it's it's a very special piece to me, um, a true grail watch really for me. So yeah, rocking that today. And uh, in terms of drinks, I'm, um, I'm a rum drinker. So today I um, have a nice glass of Ron Zacapa um, Centenario. It's a 23-year-old rum from Guatemala. If you're not into rums and you want to get started, this is the one for you. So highly recommended. Mm. Sounds good. I'm not into rums and I'm actually learning something. So there you go. Awesome. Very good. Uh, Vinny, what about yourself? So that was a very classy opening start, JP. Mm, Me. Thank you. I've drink check first, black label with Coke, stock standard. Oh. <laughs> and wrist check is the latest acquisition of mine, is the King Seiko 4402. Mm. My first sort of vintage piece that I've planned to own for a while. Um, loving it so far. And yeah, just can't get enough of it. Honeymoon period is going very well. Very Such a beautiful piece, Vinny. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, you did very well with that. Awesome. And uh, in the spirit of what the conversation is going to be today, and I'll talk about that in a little minute, I am wearing my Rolex BLNR, uh, which I've been wearing quite a bit lately uh, and really, really enjoying it. And my drink is a Old Faithful Pure Blonde beer, one of my favorites. So let's uh, let's get into it. We've got a couple of things to talk about today, In and this will be part one of, uh, of two parts that we're going to do with JP. Um, first of all, we're going to be, you know, introducing JP, having a bit of a chat to him, maybe some watch stories, um, a little bit about his collecting and tastes and things and how things have changed over time. And uh, then we are going to go into an epic battle. And the epic battle is to sell or not to sell. Uh, and we, JP had a BLNR that he sold. I have a BLNR that I kept. Uh, we're going to go through the different motions potentially of what goes through each person's head as they're thinking of doing something. And I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a very interesting um, topic. Uh, and before I continue on, I just want to say a big shout out and congratulations to our good friend Dale, who has just dropped his first review on YouTube. Uh, so Mr. Ace K Productions, if you want to go check that out, you can find him on Instagram, you can find him on YouTube. Um, but congratulations, great Great first review. What did you guys think? Yeah, it was awesome. It was fantastic. Um, Dale's absolute wizard with the camera. Yeah. And to take it from just photography to videography and then mash it all together and what is a really fun, energetic review. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Definitely go check it out. Five yeah. minutes of your time. And yeah, amazing. Couldn't I, agree. I, 
Sorry. Sorry, you go, JP. Go. <laughs> Couldn't agree more with with what you guys said. Dale is such a legend, and if you've seen his Instagram account, um, you know that he's as as when he says a, a real visit with a camera, yeah. and uh, his his video work just takes it takes it to the next level. He sent us some snippets through to um, our, our little Instagram chat that we have going on, and uh, yeah. you could already see it's going to be good. But the, sure. the work he does there is really really um, extraordinary. So go check it out. Yeah, for sure. I really liked his honesty. And, you know, he he talked about the flaws of the watch. But what I did like about it is his passion and his love for the his watch, because it is his watch, mm. um, came through in the fact that the flaws didn't outweigh the magnitude of positives that that watch has, which was really cool and refreshing Absolutely. to hear. All right. So let's get into JP. So give us a little bit about, you know, sort of your background in watches and, and where it all started. How did it all begin? Yeah, sure. So um, for guys who not who don't know me, uh, my name is JP. Um, I'm the guy behind JP underscore Melps, the Instagram account. I'm originally from Germany. I've been living in, in Melbourne here in Australia for five years now. Uh, when it comes to my love for watches, uh, I think I've always had like an interest um, in watches, but for the most part, it was rather superficial. Uh, I think it started off with um, a swatch that I got from my godfather at like age six. Um, remember it distinctly was um, a blue dial and a pink strap. And my mother actually had to cut down the strap so I could I could wear it on my tiny wrist. And also a fun fact about that, my godfather, he was a lefty. So he was left-handed. So he wore his, his watch on the right hand, on his right wrist. And that's the, only, the first time I had ever seen, you know, consciously as somebody wearing a wristwatch and um, I just thought okay this is this is where the wristwatch goes on the right wrist so um, yeah I still wear my watches on my right hand despite the fact that I'm, I'm not left-handed uh, from there um, I got a really nice Certina for my first communion I had a couple of Casios in my teens I had an, uh, an Oakley a digital watch uh, I absolutely loved um, I'm not sure if any of you guys know the brand TW Steel but that was uh, something yeah. I had back in the day, an absolute monster. I think it was like 48 millimeters or something. The current uh, the current day equivalent is Nixon. Yeah, if exactly. Anyone, if anyone wants to have a look, um, 50 mil Nixon, that is the <laughs> modern day equivalent and the millennial special. Exactly. So it was pretty bad. And um, I think in 2011, it was when I got my first like proper luxury watch, uh, which was uh, a Tag Heuer Link. Um, back then, I didn't really know a lot about watches. I just liked the look and, and the brand. Um, and that was my only watch for about three or four years. Uh, it was a chronograph, but I never really used it because I had no idea <laughs> it was actually a chronograph. Um, Moving on from there, um, I got married in 2014 and my wife and I, I went to a honeymoon and uh, one of the um, cities we went to was New York City. And um, I wanted to like mark that occasion, like getting married and getting getting a nice watch. So what we did was we went into the uh, Wempe Boutique um, on Fifth Avenue in, in Manhattan. Wow. And actually, my wife was uh, the one who, who saw a watch that uh, I later then purchased, which is um, the Breitling Transocean 1461, which I think you guys have seen. It's the perpetual, sorry, semi-perpetual calendar chronograph uh, and still one of my favorite watches. And uh, at that time, um, again, I didn't really know much about watches, but I knew that I loved how that thing looked. And it was a lot of money for me back then, still is a lot of money. And I walked into the boutique three or four times until I could bring myself to actually pulling the trigger on it. And my wife said, okay, let's just do it. I'm not going to go in there another time. And with you not buying that watch, this is silly. So uh, that's what I did. And I remember the salesman talking to me about the brand and um, that how complicated it was. And again, Back then, I had no idea what he was talking about. I was just nodding, yeah, sure, and in the back of my head thinking, what the hell is he talking about? So, um, yeah, I grew to, grew to learn that piece uh, even more over time when I learned about, you know, what is really going on within that wristwatch. Um, a couple of months later, I moved to Melbourne. Um, my wife was already here, so I, um, I joined her here in Australia, and uh, I got a job in, in sales. Um, and I discovered an Omega Planet Ocean, uh, the good Planet Edition, the GMT one that I really liked. Um, and I had a really good month in, in the sales shop I was in a couple of months down the road and uh, pulled the trigger on that one. I just loved the way it looked. I remember like looking at it every day on my computer screen and saying, okay, this is the one I'm going to get very, very soon. Um, and I think this is where it all started with, you know, reading articles about watches, uh, watching YouTube videos, getting into the forums and stuff like that. So 
I think that's where it really, you know, got it. Uh, sorry, that's where it all started going down the rabbit hole for me. And um, yeah, I think um, the whole Instagram thing started very late for me. Uh, it was in early 2018. Um, and through that, I got in touch with um, some people in the community, like you guys, went to a couple of uh, Red Bar events, um, kind of organized a group, our own group um, over the last year or so with uh, with Anthony Dew as well. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically uh, my journey. Um, I got to say up until uh, I found like this this little group here, uh, you guys and, and all the other ones here in Melbourne, I really struggled to, you know, find friends here because, you know, you move uh, you move countries. Um, you don't really know uh, where to go in order to like make friends and stuff like that. So uh, through that, I really uh, found my people. Um, yeah. Because huh. it was just yeah, it was just it's 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 tough to describe. But I think everybody who's who's in this community, uh, not even this one, but you know, could be any other watch community all over the world. It's just a very um, interesting type of people and it's a very tight community and uh, I'm, I'm so glad that um, I'm in a position now where I could you know join you guys and, and be part of this this amazing amazing group yeah it's it's so true and even for me I lived in Melbourne for four years and you know a lot of I've only got a couple of friends in Melbourne that are outside of the watch world and the rest are, are all in Melbourne so it's a it's a testament to the group of people that can connect over these silly little things that we put on our wrists absolutely um, but yeah no that's very cool i think um you know there's so many people listening to this that would have started in such a very similar way um where you you end up that first mechanical watch is a, a tag hoyer of some sort because and, and i think to them it's a testament to their um, marketing and the way that they do things and are connected with all sorts of sports and um, people that we we look up to um, and aspire to be like in racing car drivers and the like, um, but they do a really good job at that. Um, and it is it is the gateway. I know it was for you. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely yeah. it was. Again, I didn't really know much about other brands, but I, I knew Tag Heuer for some reason. Um, yeah. And I, I agree. I, look, um, Tag gets gets a lot of hate these days, which which is undeserved in my opinion. I think they make a really decent watch. I think they got really good designs. Uh, obviously, amazing heritage with the whole um, Hoyer brand attached to it, attached to it as well. But yeah. Um, yeah, great great watches for for the money. And uh, yeah, I still have mine uh, nine years later, so it's not going yeah. anywhere. I noticed you wore it recently for a I little did. bit. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool to break them out every now and then. Absolutely. And- remember back when um so continuing on on this topic um how tastes change over time and it's always something i'm very interested in because i remember um you know years ago i I would say things like i'd never buy a watch without a date because it's so practical i don't understand these people that can buy watches without a date um i haven't bought a watch with a date now for four years (laughs) um so you know that that sort of is what happened to me but how is your tastes changed over time yeah i think um look the whole watch journey is is very remarkable in in that it's um it's changing and it's it's ever changing for everyone and everybody who gets into this hobby uh, i think if you ask them a year or two on um their change will have um, maybe not changed but evolved and that's what happened to me as well um if, if i look back at some of the watches that i bought i wouldn't necessarily buy today i think um these days i'm what I wasn't uh, back in the day at all. I'm, I'm more interested in like dressier pieces uh, with, um, for example, the Lange und Söhne that I bought last year. Uh, wearability is also a big thing. Um, for example, I had the the Black Bay, uh, the Tudor Black Bay Steel and Gold, the two-tone Black Bay. And uh, up until I got to wear um, a Tudor Submariner um, of the like mid to late 90s, I never knew how chunky and big that that black bag was. So that's that's definitely th- something that changed. Uh, where I'm more about okay, how does this thing actually wear? I don't want like a hockey puck kind of situation on my wrists. Um, <laughs> also leaning uh, leaning more towards independence at the moment. Um, you know. I know both of you are great fans of, of independent brands as well. I think yeah. it gives you an experience that none of the big brands can give you. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely something that changed for me. And I've also done like a, a 360 really on Rolex, but I think we're going to get into that. Maybe, yeah. you know. Hold your fire. We'll do. <laughs> yeah, can I just jump in and yeah, say yeah, JP's collection, it's, it's incredible. Um, the group of watches that you have at this point after nine years being 
in this deep into this hobby. Um, yeah, I mean, I scroll through your Instagram every now and then, not in a creepy way, just to have a look <laughs> at the caliber of pieces that you do have. And yeah, it's such a well-rounded um, bunch of watches and just incredible. Every time I just go, wow, you know, quite amazing. So yeah. Yeah, it's so kind. But I mean, yeah, just really can't say enough. It's just such a great bunch of watches. I like the fact as well that, you know, we, we'll talk about some of your um, latest editions in a minute, but I like the fact that you are often wearing or you even turn up to, to watch meets with your that steel G-Shock that you've got um, because it makes you happy and you enjoy it. No, I, I think that's really cool as well. Yeah, uh, Vinny, thank you so much for the for the kind words. That of really course. means a lot. Um, look, I'm not, you know, buying these watches to get like recognition or whatever. It's it's more about really what makes me happy and what makes me excited when I when I put it on my wrist in the morning. And um, I think my collection is a is a reflection of that and and my personality as well. So, yeah, it's it's great to see that you know people um, look at the collection and say, hey, well, that's that's some some really nice pieces there. And and to your point, Anthony, I think um, for me it doesn't have anything to do with how much a watch really is it doesn't matter how uh, how much i paid for it it's more about how much enjoyment it gives me and um, i'm not saying the g-shock gives me more or less or the same amount of of pleasure than my uh, vc but um it's it's different you know you just want to want to be able to experience some some different pieces some different brands and like one day you feel like a g-shock and the other day you feel like a lung is so uh, i think that's the variety of things is, is what i really enjoy yeah, absolutely. Um, and so do you have a watch story that you can share with people around how either how you came to like a watch or how it came to be and ended up in your collection? Is there anything that you can share? Um, I've got lots of stories, but I think um, the story that that I'm going to tell is not so much the story about a watch, but about the community. I'm not sure if that's sure. okay with you. Yeah, of course. Of course, <laughs> go. Um, so the thing is, um, I met up with a very good friend of mine from Germany in Las Vegas last year. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to meet there and, you know, um, spend a couple of days together. We hadn't seen each other in a very long time. Um, so a couple of days before I left, um, um, I put something on Instagram, like a countdown, whatever, like three or four more days until uh, flying to Las Vegas. And one of my, one of the people I, I follow and he follows me too, uh, in the U S is, um, Ty Alexander. Um, I'm sure you've, you've seen him on Instagram as well. Yes. And he reached out to me, amazing guy, amazing photos. Um, amazing collection and uh, he reached out to me saying hey uh, that's so funny uh, replying to my my instagram story basically and saying hey you know i'm going to be there as well there's this uh, watch fair it's just for dealers but hey we should we should uh, hang out and we should grab a beer i'm like yeah sure let's do that so we exchanged numbers and i got to vegas and it was like two or three days in and then he texted me saying hey uh you know been flat out but we can you know i can get you into the uh the oris party tonight do you want to come I was like, yeah, sure, I want to come. <laughs> and, and then uh, so my friend and I um, went to downtown Las Vegas and um, there was this amazing party going on. It was such a cool venue. There was live music. There were cocktails. It was just it was just madness. It was so good. I met um, obviously Ty there. Uh, I met Adam Kroniotis, the, the founder of Red Bar. Uh, I had a really good and long chat to Rolf Studer, who is the, the CEO of Oris. Uh, in in German, <laughs> interestingly, and uh, we had such a good night there, and um, you know, had a few a few drinks, obviously, and then you know the Oris bear was there as well, and then we dragged dragged him outside at like one or two in the morning, uh, through the through the strip uh, downtown Las Vegas, taking photos. It was just absolutely insane, and the fact that you know I've never met any of these guys, and that I can just be welcomed into a group like this in a totally different country, totally different city. And being able to connect with these guys was just astonishing to me and just showed me again how strong this community is all over the world and how how special uh, those people are. So it was really, um, yeah, mind-blowing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I shared a story not too long ago about doing a very similar thing with someone I met in Berlin. Yeah, um, I remember that. And- and I, I think what you're talking about there is the the essence of the community that, yes, it's about watches, but the watches are just the connection that brings people together. Um, Absolutely. And, and that's exactly what you're, you're saying there. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, when we get to travel again, 
um, I'll certainly be trying to connect with people wherever I'm going because there's there's just such a cool community. And I think I think we owe that to almost to Instagram for igniting that because otherwise, I mean, the forums are there and, you know, but this this seems to have brought everyone closer together, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. Pretty cool. Um, all right. So I think, um, you know, thank you so much for, for sort of letting us in a little bit into your collecting and, and the way that you see your watches. And, and you know, I, I mimic what uh, Vinny was saying there around your, your Instagram as well is just astonishing. And I couldn't believe it took me so long to realize that there was a pattern there. Um, <laughs> because... Because quite often you're not going to someone's profile. You just sure. see the you see the picture in the feed, and then I don't know for some reason I must have gone there and I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> he's doing something here. So if you haven't seen it before, have a look at. And and we all know that JP is the king of the pocket shot. Um, so yeah, you you you're never far from pocket shot with JP. Um, so yeah, go Every check it out. Shot. <laughs> Every third shot. Exactly. <laughs> can't be too long. Can't be too far away. Oh, thanks so much um, for the kind words. I really appreciate it, Anthony. Thank you. No worries at all. Uh, all right. So let's shift gears a little bit um, because we wanted to talk about something that's fairly topical at the moment and maybe even more so now. I mean, we had the idea probably before coronavirus came along um, to have this discussion. But now that coronavirus is here, uh, it's probably more and more so. And I know it made me start to think about what I was going to do with my collection and things like that. So uh, I will hand over to Vinny. He's going to take us through a bit of a uh, discussion. Hopefully we can keep it non-heated, but we'll see how we go, uh, around your BLNR and, and selling it and then me with keeping mine, etc. So all yours, Vinny, take it away. Okay, so... Um, basically, I'm going to adjudicate um, here, be the referee between two parties. JP has had the BLNR, the Batman, and Anthony um, still has it. The difference is, yeah, JP's let go of his pretty recently. Um, I love this watch, but there is a lot of sort of stigma around it, Rolex waitlist, Batman influences. There's a lot of things that probably don't associate, um, that aren't associated with other watch brands. So... In one corner, we have Anth saying, should keep it, JP let go of his, and I want to hand it over to the pocket shot king to <laughs> serve and say why he sold it, why he let it go. Sure, um, thank you. Um, look, first of all, I want to start by saying it's still a fantastic watch. There's a reason I bought it. There's a reason I've had it for two years and that I've loved it and I wore it a lot. And um, I think there's nothing wrong with the watch and anybody who has it should be, you know, consider themselves lucky um, and I don't have any problem with um with the watch or with what it comes with it was just a really personal decision and i'm hopefully i'm going to talk you through uh, my thought process here a little bit so uh yeah i bought it over uh two years ago when things were relatively normal um i just got to a point within the last couple of months where i'm kind of over rolex not just the BLNR, just the brand. Um, it's It seems to me, you know, being in the forums and the Facebook groups on Instagram, the podcast and everything, it seems to be all everyone ever talks about. And uh, the hype kind of started to a little bit ruin the watch for me. Um, people pay absolutely insane prices uh, these days just to show that they can get them. Uh, case in point, the guy I sold it to was a um, young chap, maybe you know, early 20s. He met up with me um, to do the transaction and um, he was wearing an Apple Watch and I was asking him, look, is this your first watch? He's like, yeah, uh, this is the first like uh, not Apple not Watch a, that he had. Not a bad place <laughs> to start, I tell you what. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, then I asked him why he, you know, wanted this one specifically. And he said, well, because it's a Rolex. And that just kind of, you know, reinforced or told me, okay, maybe I was doing the right thing here. Um, the prices, the way that they were or are at the moment is, you know, if, it, if you compare it to something like my my overseas, that's, it was roughly the same value when I sold it. And I thought, okay, something is wrong here something is not right these two pieces shouldn't be in the same in the same league to me um so i think for me the blnr kind of represents a lot of things that are wrong with with watch collecting these days i think there's a lot of people out there that get into the hobby or get into watches not because they like them or they love them but because for them it's they can 
show people that they can get something that no one else can get. It's about um, getting something that will increase in value. And I, you know, watch collecting, when did it come, when did it become all about value? I think watch collecting really should be about, you know, pleasure, about enjoyment. Uh, if you buy something, if you buy a car or like jewelry or something like that, you wouldn't expect it to go up in value. And uh, I think collectors nowadays uh, suddenly expect that their watches go up in value. Um, if you want something to go up in value, buy shares, don't buy a watch. I mean, it's it's kind of insane at this point. I'm, I'm not saying don't buy a smart. I absolutely say buy a smart. You can buy any watch like pre-owned at a really good price and you won't lose a lot of money no matter what the brand is. Um, but it's just about, you know, buying what you like, I think. Uh, I think I always read like about people that say, hey, um, I'm trying to decide between this Rolex Submariner and I don't know, the Omega Seamaster Professional 300. Um, I like the Omega better, but, um, you know, obviously it'll lose more value. So I'm just going to go with the Rolex and that just breaks my heart. I think they those people get the, those watches for the wrong reason. And uh, for me, it was, uh, I, I was just getting to a point where I didn't want to be part of this whole game anymore that you know i can't say that rolex is playing the game but it's just the way things are at the moment and um yeah, yeah. I, i'm just you know please just buy what you like and give other brands a chance as well don't get me wrong rolex still makes great watches and i'm, I'm sure i'm gonna buy another rolex in the future as well um but for now um I'm, i've taken a step back and said okay i'm uh, i don't want to be part of this this whole uh, hype anymore mm. yeah and i i totally agree with the fact that if you look at it, you can trade your billionaire and hop straight into a Vacheron. Yeah. I think as someone who just absolutely loves watches, to say that you can go from a steel GMT into one of the Holy Trinity brands, uh, basically just a swap, or go from a Batman to a Langer, it's it's a really different ball game. Um, and yeah, I mean, when you brought that point up, I thought, wow, that's if I had a Batman, I think that's the first thing I'd be thinking of. Going, wow, I could I could really get into something. That's top level watchmaking. Um, and yeah, when you think about people in the forums or asking, hey, you know, how much money can I make if I, I just got the call on the on X Rolex, whatever, date just so I just got the call, I can have this. What's the market value? And it takes away from the enjoyment. Yeah. It becomes a financial instrument. Exactly. And why on earth would you worry about investments, potential of a watch when you have stocks and funds and all that kind of stuff so yeah so from what i gather it's more of an external forces pushing you towards selling the batman rather than falling out of love with it yourself or being bored with it it's more like the external sort of not community but just everything together made you go well i don't want to be a part of this anymore yeah exactly look um I shouldn't like every time I put the watch on, uh, I felt like, okay, this is the watch and people who don't even know about watches will see this watch and say, Hey, this is the hot watch that, you know, that's very hard to get. And I shouldn't worry about these things, right? I shouldn't worry what other people think. And I I actually, I don't, but I just got to a point where I just couldn't, um, you know, Basically, I couldn't I couldn't go ahead and say, okay, this is the watch and this is like the public perception of it. I couldn't like put these things apart anymore. Couldn't, for couldn't separate. Couldn't That's separate right. the watch for the watch with the yeah the perception of it. Yeah, exactly. which is, Thank you. Yeah, which is tough. Which is really tough. So on the other end of the court, I'm going to ask Ant to return serve and uh, why you kept it. All right. So I'm in the blue corner. All right, because I got the dealer now. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I want to cast your mind back. It's October 2014. I am a 28-year-old, roughly, I think, of around that time, and uh, I'm going through a news agency, and I see this magazine. Uh, some of you may know it called Watch Time. On the front cover of this Watch Time magazine was this Rolex, and it was a black and blue bezeled BLNR GMT Master II. And I, as soon as I saw it, it was absolute love at first sight. Um, so I went on this quest, uh, traveled around Australia, going to the different um, ADs that we've got, put my name down on everything. Everyone laughed at me, all that stuff. And this was still happening back in 2014. I basically went from the magazine straight to the shop, tried to tried to buy it, got laughed at, thought, oh, this is a bit strange. But in some ways, that's what made me continue on even harder was the fact that people were telling me I couldn't get it. Uh, and back then, uh, they were 11300 Aussie dollars. And the wow. 
secondary value was between 12 and a half and 13 grand. So they had just bumped retail and now sitting about 10, 20, 20% above retail. Uh, and so anyway, I continued on with this quest. I got married in 24, uh, 2016. And what I did during that year was I, I basically gave up and I thought to myself, no, nah, I'm never going to get this watch. And so I went into Hardy Brothers in Collins Street in Melbourne and I bought a, well, I ended up ordering one that needed to come from Switzerland, took about six weeks, but I bought a 42 mil Super Ocean Heritage Britling. Blue dial, blue bezel, beautiful watch, fantastic watch. And it basically, I bought that to fill the void. And anyway, a couple of months later, that was the watch I wore on my wedding day. And then we went on our honeymoon and I'd pre-called Singapore airport. Um, they're like, nah, we can't tell you anything. You have to just come in. And then I knew that there were seven ADs in Kuala Lumpur, which was where I was going for my honeymoon. And uh, so what I did, got to Singapore, nah, nothing there. Um, started the quest and, uh, you know, my poor wife, this is our honeymoon and, and all we're doing is jumping in and out of taxis going from one shopping mall that has an AD to another one. Sounds romantic. And, yeah, it was. Yeah, for me, it was, it was heaven, <laughs> but for her, not so much. But anyway, she comes into this in a minute too, because we went to six of the ADs and there was one that was further out uh, at a, a shopping center called Mid Valley City. And when I went to Pavilion and I was asking and they were laughing and all that kind of stuff, which is a bit sad anyway, uh, but I'd basically nearly put a deposit down on a Datejust, the blue dial, white gold, fluted bezel. You know, it was it was pretty cool. I knew that it was going to be about $2,000 cheaper once I'd got my tax back and all that kind of stuff. And uh, then we went to the shopping center because my wife wanted to go shopping anyway. So... Anyway, I couldn't find the AD and I'd sort of given up and we were walking out to get a taxi and I looked out of the corner of my eye and I saw an hourglass. And then I looked again and down the end of the hourglass was the big Rolex window and it, it almost looks like a Rolex shop, but it's not. It's just connected to the, the hourglass. And I said to my wife goes, go on, you might as well. And I said, you know what? I can't even be bothered. I'm, I'm not going to do it. And she said, look, you've come this far. Just go and do it. And I thought, all right, whatever, who cares? Anyway, I go in, I look at the the desk, uh, the counters. There's nothing in there. I walk up to the guy and I say, hey, have you got a, a GMT Master II BLNR, you know, the blue back dial, uh, bezel? And he goes, actually, I think we've got one. It came in last night and no one's picked it up yet. And well, I nearly, I nearly fell over. And anyway, I, I thought something's wrong here. He's going to bring out the black bezel one just to you know just to annoy me and maybe he couldn't understand what i meant i just said gmt master 2 anyway out comes this blnr and i nearly fainted could have cried because after so many years of searching and and being on all these wait lists it had finally happened and it didn't happen the way i expected which was just to walk in and be able to buy one um anyway long story short i then my credit card declined and you could imagine the look on my face when my credit card had declined. I told the bank that I was probably going to do something big spending while I was on my honeymoon. Anyway, I rang the bank and they said, that's fine. Put it through again and it will go through anyway. I paid for the watch, took it back, and I was ex I was just over the moon. <laughs> so I know that's long-winded, but that's the sort of the start of, of what it is. And Vinny knows because I've had many conversations with him when I was going through the motions. But... That's where it starts for me. Uh, and I paid retail. I got some tax back as well, which was even better. Um, and it was the same price as what it would have been if I bought it here. So I'm I'm torn between two minds here because while I don't like, I don't, I don't really care about the stigma, um, I don't wear the watch as much as I used to because of the stigma. And that sort of disappoints me every now and then. But I still think it's it's like a lot of watches where if you don't wear them for a few weeks and then you put it on, you fall in love with it all over again or you remember why, um, why you bought it. And then I always then try and think about that quest of never giving up and that I, I ended up finding what I wanted. Um, the other things for me, are, you know, it's a, it's a six-year run which in generally in Rolex terms is pretty small. I think if you look at some of the, not so much the hyped pieces, but the pieces that are really special, um, 
20, 30 years later, uh, you know, one owner, box and papers, all that kind of stuff. While that is connected to the hype stuff, it's also connected to the community and what it is all about with watch collecting. Um, Vinny also helped me not sell mine because I'll be honest, I did go through the motions quite heavily. I had my eyes on a Moser. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I can probably sell this, buy a Moser and bank 10 grand. Uh, and, you know, then basically, you know, that's it's almost what I paid for it. Um, but I thought to myself, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, it's and the last thing for me before I hand back to Vinny is for the retail price. And you were comparing the price of what the Rolex is selling at now to the VC and that, um, you know, there's that there's that distance there between the quality and the brand and all that kind of stuff. When you're buying these things at retail, you will struggle to find a better constructed, accurate and robust watch for that price. And I think the only things that come close would be a couple of those Amigas with the real sort of Metas chronometer certifications and the, um, you know, one piece steel buckles and things like that. But at the end of the day, the Rolex for the price, if you're buying it at retail, it doesn't get much better than that um, for construction. Uh, so anyway, that was sort of the last part for me. I'll, uh, I will admit it was a tough decision to hold on to it, but I'm really glad that I did. So yeah, that's my side. Awesome. Awesome. And it, you put it lightly when, uh, when you said we had conversations, I had a very stern talking to you. <laughs> I was very direct. I did, you I did, were... uh, I'm not even sure I let you respond or rebut. I just said, you're not selling it. Your poor wife, you drag her around in your honeymoon. Um, yeah. but I think, I think you really outlined perfectly there. Yes. Like some watches, you know, there is a bit of stigma or they go through a period where they're loved or not loved. And then 30 years later, down the track, you've got full box papers, BLNR. I mean, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. And then even beyond that, you might have, you know, next of kin to hand it on to, and they'll, they won't even know about Rolex wait lists or all that other stuff that we know about in the community and the frustration that we may or may not go through. Um, yeah. They're just going to go, wow, my dad or my uncle or whatever it may be, wore this watch, this was his watch, and he got it on his honeymoon. And I think the story behind it will forever outweigh um, any sort of turbulence the market has right now um, just because yeah. of the story attached to it. So it's hard to pick a winner between you two because I absolutely <laughs> see both both sides of the argument. Um, I think I, Alex said it last time with the Explorers. I think we've, you guys are both winners. I'm so glad you've kept yours, Anth, but I'm also <laughs> really glad for JP because now he can – look at his collection and just absolutely love it and i'm sure you've replaced the bill and i with something that is just mind-blowingly amazing and yeah i'm sorry hey I'm, I'm sorry i have to do this but jp um are you missing the hacking seconds at all <laughs> 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 sorry man you don't no, that's okay that's, <laughs> that's fair that's fair i actually don't i really yeah. don't um it's it's something I think about sometimes, but then and and I think about okay why they didn't do that, but then again I I look at the watch and I forget all about it just because it's it's so beautiful. Um, but just going back um, to to what you just said, Anthony. Um, first of all, I absolutely loved the story uh, about you know you getting that BLNR, and I agree with Vinny. Don't ever sell it because that story that is attached to it is just the most amazing thing you can tell to, you know, your kids and, and grandkids one day. So um, yeah, please, please don't sell it. No. Uh, I also very much agree with you when you said um, this is as good as good as it gets when it comes to you know paying retail for it and getting this much watch for your money. I absolutely agree. If you can get this watch at retail, by all means, go for it. It doesn't get much better than this. Yeah. Um, and I also agree with the third thing you said. Um, actually, um, I decided to sell it because, you know, I wasn't wearing it for like two months and I, would try, I was trying to, you know, steer myself away from the watch, I guess. And then I said to myself, okay, I've made my decision. I'm going to sell it. And then um, I made a mistake because I you decided to wear it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 
And um, I was going because I was going to the Australian Open, uh, to the tennis, and you know, it was all Rolex, well, like Rolex, and I just wanted to be the the guy who wore Rolex. Stupid, whatever. So I just put there's, it there's on. That part, there's part in all of us, JP. Yeah, exactly. And I went to, you know, I was watching the tennis. It was a beautiful summer day, and I glanced down at my wrist, and I said, oh, "God damn it." <laughs> maybe maybe that's a bad idea so uh yeah as soon as i got home i put it off my wrist and said nope you made your decision you made your bed this is what you want to do so go through with it uh and i don't miss the watch um i think uh for me i made the right decision but again it's a very much personal preference and if i had the story attached to this watch that uh, you anthony had i it would have probably wouldn't have even crossed my mind uh, to sell it. I know it's tempting, but I'm very glad you kept it, and it's still a phenomenal watch. And um, good on you for for keeping it. Yeah, no, thank you. And I, I it's re- this is a really interesting conversation because both of us can go to both sides, and I know myself. So while you're saying that you hadn't worn it, and then you'd made the decision, then you put it back on and thought, oh crap, what am I doing? Mm. I did the opposite. I made the decision, right? I'm going to keep it. Then I put it on one day and I was like, oh, I could could sell this. Like Mm. I could could bank the money, get another watch that I really like and I could be quite happy. Um, But it's so it's funny how this sort of stuff goes up and down all the time. And, and, you know, I know you're glad with your decision. I'm happy with my decision. Um, So, yeah, you know, it's just I think what what drove you to sell and what drove me to keep it were the right reasons. Absolutely. And that's what's important. Anthony, um, if you don't mind me asking, do sure. you think this is going to be a keeper for life or is that a statement you wouldn't you wouldn't want to make? No, I think um, if I was ever going to sell it, uh, look, um, the, the only way that this watch gets sold is if there's some sort of financial hardship right. uh, and that I have to do it because I need to put food on the table for my family and stuff like that. For me then, for that at that point in time, it's a no-brainer. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, so I think if I was ever going to sell it, I would have sold it probably around the same time. And I really got close to that couple of days after you and you had said to me, there were two other people that were interested yeah. that would have bought it probably on the same day. Mm-hmm. So that comment you made, made me really ramp it up and I thought I'll, I'll sleep on it. <laughs> so yeah, I think if I was ever going to sell it, I would have sold it around that sort of February, early March this year. Um, the fact that I've kept it now and I've, I've already, I, I think where, where I've made the decision to keep it is because I've already planned the savings plan to get the next watch and be right. able to keep this one as well. And that's probably where I'll be, I know I'll be able to in time with the right amount of patience and discipline and, and savings goal, I'll be able to get that Moser and have the Batman and that you know, for me, that's, that's going to be important, but you know, that doesn't come with hard work and being really disciplined about how I'm spending my money so that I can reach that goal. Um, so yeah, but I don't think I will now. Awesome. Good to hear. And now I can sleep easy at night. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for that JP. That was a lot of fun. And and Vinny, thank you for adjudicating that. I, I agree. We're both winners. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's start to wrap this one up. So I'll go over to Vinny for a favorite review from the fifth wrist website. Awesome. So one of the blokes in our Instagram chat, his handle is RAC63L, uh, recently wrote a review about a Grand Seiko GMT Mount Iwate dial and it's the blue Mount Iwate dial. Um, I thought it was a really just well-rounded review. I love that watch. It is absolutely stunning. Um, and to see these pieces that don't get a lot of recognition um, via marketing because Seiko is Seiko um, and just to have a really nice review of it. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, great guy as well. So yeah, that was my review of the week. What's the, um, which one is this one? So blue Mount Iwate dial. It's like a, it's like a sunburst pattern. Um, if you imagine mm. it was the sunburst of feathers, it's unbelievable. It looks mesmeric. Um, yeah, and yeah. limited edition too. So probably what? really hard to get a hold of one at the moment. Yeah, well, this is a story of a lot of watches, isn't it, really? <laughs> the good ones, it seems. Um, 
Cool. Thank you very much for that. Let's uh, let's go to some Instagram. So some people to follow. As some listeners know that they when they listen to our podcast, we we like to continue to grow the the community. So we we want to you know shout out to people that you should go follow after listening. So we'll we'll go with our our real guest um, JP. So who do you recommend people go and follow? Um, and a little bit about that you know why they should. Yeah, sure. So I mentioned him actually in my Las Vegas story. It's Ty. Uh, Ty Alexander, his uh, Insta handle is at Ty Alexander Photography, uh, all one word. Um, he's not only uh, an amazing guy, his photography skills are off the charts charts sorry um it's just um he's a professional photographer and you can tell but he's so passionate about watches talking to him in person and on instagram as well just made me realize um what kind of guy he is and um how how much he loves watches uh, some of the watches you'll see on his feet are his others he gets sent um, to take photos of and uh, yeah it's just next level the lighting is always on point it's always razor sharp and he's also a really really cool guy so if you want to have a good chat to a really cool bloke uh, over in the u.s um check out ty yeah cool awesome beautiful um vinnie what about you yeah just ty's photography just to support yeah, yeah, your point sure. unbelievable let's um yeah, really next level. Uh, for my follow of the week is also another another person who's in our Melbourne Watch community. Um, not really most out there extravagant on Instagram, um, but one of the most humble and passionate guys I know. Um, Tony, his handle is Aquanaut with two T's at the end. Insane collection, um, but really down to earth guy. Just loves his watches and always happy to talk about them. So. That is my go follow of the week. Great choice. He's a he's a great guy and he has an amazing collection. Could not agree more. Yeah, absolutely. Lovely, lovely chap. Um, and mine is someone who I, I went searching for um, in the the people that sort of follow me and that I follow as well. And one of them was uh, Spring Driven. So S P R I N G D R I V E N. Just one word. Spring Driven. Um, he's a watch collector from the UK. Uh, what I like is he's a fellow iPhone photographer uh, like <laughs> yours truly, uh, speaking to two experts on here. But uh, for me, I like, uh, you know, point shoot and, uh, you know, do some fancy editing that I've got no idea what I'm doing, but just make sure that uh, structure's all the way up. So, yeah, anyway. Uh, we love a good so, iPhone shoot. Absolutely. Um, but uh, but Spring Driven he has some exceptional watches. And what I like is he's got things from um, Dornbluth and Sons. Uh, actually, that reminds me, JP, we'll, in a minute, we'll get you to pronounce some of the German watch brands sure. for us. Sure. Um, but yeah, to, to Rolex, to um, yeah, he's got one of those Smiths. Um, it's, I think it's a P, PRS 32 Vanguard, uh, which is the sort of Paul Newman homage watch. Uh, from from back in the day but yeah really cool collection of very different watches from one end of the scale to the other um, so definitely worth going to to have a follow for him as well um, so before we wrap up um, we'll do that very quickly is uh, can you give us maybe three or four of the um, the the German pronunciations because I noticed before that you said Wempe when you went into New York that's right now is that correct, or is that the Australian version? <laughs> no, actually, Wempe um, is is uh, you know a German brand, German retailer, and that's that's how you pronounce it, Wempe. Wempe. Okay, cool. Uh, so, what about uh, a Langen Sun? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're getting really close. Actually, it's a Lange yeah. und Söhne. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. And uh, what about um, Glashütte Original? <laughs> so it's a town basically in Saxony, as you all know. Um, it's yeah. Glashütte. Glashütte Original is how we oh. pronounce it in, in, in Germany. But uh, See, you're getting really close. Everyone thinks job. that Tim Mosso is crazy when he sits there going Glashütte Original. But no, his, it's, he's spot his on. accent is correct. Uh, his is accent Tim is Mosso, incorrect. But, sorry? Is Tim Mosso ever going to be wrong? That's no, no, exactly. exactly. Oh, I um, doubt him. Another one, actually, um, Stova. You have one of those, um, yeah, Anthony. Stova, Stova, yeah. yeah. So, ST not, basically, not not, no, <laughs> it, because if you have an ST in German, uh, it basically is pronounced as SHT. 
right? Uh -huh. So it's a sh uh, sound and it means um, stova. Stova. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, what about um, uh, muley? <laughs> Mühle. Mühle. Oh, Mühle. Okay. Mühle so the, the U-E sound gets um, gets Ü. made into like an U sound, yeah. an umlaut, and it's Mühle Glashütte. So the same as in Glashütte, the U-E is the same sound as you have in, in Mühle. Mühle Glashütte. Uh, Vinny, have you got any? Is, is there anything you want to know? Is it Sin or Zin? Uh, Zin. Uh, uh, Zin. 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 There we go. And there's Damasco and Junghans who are really, you know, self-explanatory uh, Meistersinger as well. Um, yeah. But I think those are, are the main ones, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What, oh, <laughs> I was just thinking, oh, I was trying to think of the other one that, oh, no. John no, Watchbrands? Yeah, it's something NC. Uh, is it? Ah. Uh, they're new. Well, not new. Oh, uh, Hen Hensch Henschel? Henschel? Henschel. Interesting. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Look at that. We're getting education while we're talking about watches as well. So um, thank you, JP. Now, before we go, I just want to quickly introduce part two so that uh, people jump over and listen to that one as well. We have something planned that was extremely difficult to do. Um, but what we're doing is a, a bit of a challenge. The challenge was set to the gents to they had $50,000 Australian to spend and they could only come up with one watch and they had to get rid of their whole collection, and they could only ever wear this one watch for the rest of their life. So very difficult to do, but uh, it's going to be a very interesting conversation as to why people have selected those certain watches. So uh, be sure to check out part two when you finish listening to this one. Um, and uh, we'll start to wrap up. So thank you so much, JP, for coming on today and, and for hanging around for part two as well. I uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Before we go, I just want to, you know, um, make a big shout out to you guys. Um, I've been a listener of Fifth Wrist Radio um, ever since episode one. I can't tell you how much I appreciate all the work you're doing. So uh, everybody who works on Fifth Wrist, but especially like you, you two, obviously, and uh, Rob and Alex as well. Uh, it's always Thank a pleasure to, to listen you to your much. podcast. I think uh, you, you, you always you know, take on um, feedback as well. Um, yeah, I'm always excited to listen to a new episode and I'm, I'm really, um, I'm honored to be a guest. So um, yeah, just keep on doing what you're doing because I really appreciate it and, and I love what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. And speaking speaking of Fifth Wrist, if you want to review one of your watches, we'd love to get you to, to review a watch and we can put it up on the website. We're keen to get people's honest opinions of the watches that they wear. Um, so head over to Fifth Wrist, check out some reviews and then and, and make sure you don't do what I did and just get really scared about writing because you're not a writer. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's all about how, how you want to talk about your watch. So yeah, don't be shy, say what you want and uh, just be honest. So, all right, gentlemen, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again very soon in part two. Um, but uh, it is Easter Sunday today, so I hope everyone's having a good day. Stay safe, stay home, and stay on time. is by the community for the community. We would love you to join the crew via our group chat on Slack. Email us at contact at fifthwrist.com and join the movement.